Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. For those of you that have been listening to the program, you know that I took a little departure over the last several episodes. We had Carlos Hidalgo uh, with his uh, book, Un-American Dream, and I did the series in Women in Revenue. And so every once in a while, I do like to take a little step away from marketing operations and demand generation and marketing technology just to bring some topics that I think would be helpful to you. So I hope you enjoyed those. And now it's back to our regularly scheduled program talking about the methods and technologies of marketing. And today on the program, I am joined by Pat Oldenburg. Uh, for those of you who don't know Pat, he is the Vice President of Demand Marketing and Operations at ServiceMax, who is located really close to our, our office. And uh, we are here headquartered in San Ramon, and that's where they are headquartered. Used to be part of GE. We'll talk a little bit about that. But without further ado, Pat, thanks for joining me on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me, David. I'm excited to be here and excited to participate in Demand Gen Radio. Great to finally have you on the program. I know you've been a listener. Let's talk MarTech. Pat and Demand Gen, we got acquainted uh, through our partner. They were doing an event a little bit more than a year ago, uh, luncheon at the Serious Decisions Conference in Las Vegas. And Pat sat next to Rob Bonham, who you guys have heard on Demand Gen Radio. He's our VP of Sales. And that's how we got to know Pat. And we spent the last year plus uh, with our two teams working together. So I guess I should first ask you, Pat, how's, how's everything going and what's uh, some of the key initiatives for you guys right now? Yeah, everything's, everything's been, been going great. It's been a total whirlwind here at ServiceMax, all, all positive, um, as you'd expect. But, you know, we've had a lot of changes in uh, um, acquisition into GE and acquisition by Silver Lake Partners, private equity recently. and. Several go-to-market changes as far as our sales setup and our strategy um, in, in a really impacted space that's got a lot of competition. So we're, we're constantly kind of wheeling and dealing and trying to stay ahead of the competition with, with things like our account-based marketing and selling practices, our, um, you know, our partnership with sales, and, and really the work that we're trying to do with uh, data governance and data hygiene right now as far as the account object goes, just trying to trying to make life easier both for sales and marketing so we can all all hit quota and grow business as fast as we need to. I like the, I like the spirit of how you guys view it as one team for sure. Uh, you've been a big agent of change and the company's gone through a lot of change as you just mentioned and you've been a big agent of change. Talk to me a little bit about the ABM strategy and why you guys have become so account focused. Yeah, so it, it, it kind of started um actually when i when i joined service Act, i joined in, in the beginning of 2016 and we had just run an evaluation of our business at the time we had we actually had a small business product line the sales team was um was set up into three parts we had a we had the inside selling team which was able to sell the express product line the small business to hvac the pest control companies those types of things um, we had a mid-market team and then we had we had a, a field sales team which were geographically distributed. So we did this we did this um, analysis that that showed basically that the sales cycle took just as long. They they took just as many resources from a selling team from a marketing dollar standpoint, and the churn rate was higher in these really really small um, 
companies. And so we started to, to move up market and we really started focusing on the enterprise. Um, we moved into a kind of a triad approach with in, in 2016, which was still geographically distributed, um, but teams of sales reps. So it was an outside rep, mm-hmm. an inside rep, and a solutions consultant. And they focused on the high enterprise accounts. But for the first time, we had six reps, which were called the strategic reps. They were the named account named account sales reps for massive companies like GE, for one of them that was our largest customer, but Pitney Bowes, um, BD, those, uh, Philips, those types of companies. And it was the first time in marketing that we had really started to think about what does account-based selling and account-based marketing look like and how does it how does it differ from the white space, from the mid and, and small business marketing that we were doing before? Um, as we continued through the through the GE acquisition, GE is aligned on a on a named account selling model. So you, you know you have your thirty year contract with clients um, in power and oil and gas and uh, those types of businesses, and and you you only have a set number of accounts, and they're they're the accounts that you know very well, and you have very deep relationships with. And we kind of moved on to that model, probably 85% um, alignment to that model where each rep had 60 accounts, but then we still had 15% of, of the selling team that had that worked white space. Um, and moving into this year with, with Silver Lake Partners, private equity, and no longer no longer within GE, we're, we're fully focused on named account selling and marketing. And yeah. so Every account rep has just over a hundred accounts. That that is how they hit their number, make or break with those accounts. And it requires a fundamentally different approach from everything from reporting to execution to the strategy and the orchestration on marketing and sales. You guys have really gone all in on ABM. It's it's one of those things. When I was at the B two B M X conference earlier this year, and I did a keynote, you know, I asked people. I said raise your hand if you're crushing it with ABM or something like that to find out really who felt that they were being really proficient. And one hand went up in the room of like a thousand people. And then there was everyone who was either considering it or, or possibly on their journey. And, and of course, a bunch of people there in the middle. You guys have gone in, but I mentioned sales and marketing alignment earlier. And I, I want to bring back a conversation that you and I had when we got together, which was around, you know, you you tied budget and and committed that budget to a certain amount of pipe that you guys would contribute in marketing, right? So you you took a role more than just marketing, uh, generating demand and, and marketing using systems and programs to support sales and said, we'll actually be a contributor to pipeline. And you went in all in on this, this ABM initiative. And it's it was a big departure, right? You radically changed how you guys were investing online and display advertising. You bought a bunch of MarTech to support your ABM initiatives. How scary was it for you or what went through your mind when you guys were like, okay, we're going to make a big pivot and departure from how we've been going to market to be so ABM focused and to make a commit uh, to Pipe. What was that like and what could you share with folks that are maybe considering the same type of, of approach? Yeah, it's a, it was a little it was a little nerve wracking, and um, the the approach that we've always taken since since uh, before I joined here, my approach in marketing has always been to commit to a level of opportunities or a level of pipeline just directly sourced from marketing. What was really nerve wracking was when we moved into this named account model, 
um, and, and more ABM focused was um, a fear that I had that the attribution and the, the influence would fundamentally change when we have, when it's not so much an inbound effort, when we can't just crank up advertising and see leads come in that turn into uh, MQLs, which get quickly worked and turned into opportunities. It was more, that was, that was something we were able to pretty confidently share when we had a small and medium business model. It, we had targets, we could back into it from bookings and win rate and velocity and get back to how many new names and how many leads we would need at any point in time. Um, and that's kind of how we got budget allocation, but that's also how we were, how we were gold in marketing. And so when we, when we moved on to um, a full ABM and an account selling model, one of the things that we had to communicate is that, yes, we are still going to source pipeline. We're still committing to a certain percentage of source pipeline, but we're not going to commit to a level of MQLs. We're not going to commit to a number of leads because there's a finite number of accounts and there's an even more finite number of relevant people within those accounts. And so it's not going to be the same as it was before. And, and what we're going to measure are things like directly sourced pipeline, influence on bookings and retention and upsell and those types of metrics that we hadn't looked at in the past. It's, it's been a learning curve for me and for my peers and for, for our leadership team to do this. And we, we still find ourselves kind of falling back into, um, well, we didn't, we didn't get a, a large number of leads this month, but you know, then, then we look at, at the, the campaign successes that we've had and we see a really high conversion rate into an opportunity mm -hmm. some months and some months we see a really low. And so it's, that just reminds us, oh yeah, we have to go back to the account metrics that we've committed to. Um, and we have to stay strong with that because that's how we're going to continue to show success in this new world. I've heard some marketers talk about, you know, when sales is not in the room, they've shared, it's the, it's the, it's the ad old, you know, sales tells marketing, all your leads suck and marketing feels like you don't follow up on anything. And I've heard marketing say, one of the reasons that we have, I don't know if the word's hesitation, but whatever the, the trepidation, that, that's the biggest word I know, by the way, um, the trepidation mm -hmm. they have about making a commit to pipeline is they're like, hey, we can only source MQLs in their mind. They, they don't feel that they can really contribute to pipeline and revenue because they're beholden to sales. I, I don't see that certainly with you guys at ServiceMax and many other uh, clients of ours where they feel very confident that they can contribute to pipe because they're so well aligned with sales and they have SDR teams and they're, they don't feel like this, there's a throw it over the fence model. Have you ever thought about that topic or how would you respond to people out there that feel that marketing can only take it right up into the edge of pipeline, but that sales is responsibility or, you know, they can, they can't take it any further. What do you think? Yeah, I think we, we were just talking about this um, as a team earlier this week, we were trying to diagram the funnel from, from uh, the, you know, from the, the highest point to all the way to close. And we were trying to put, you know which which group is is the primary stakeholder or the primary owner at each stage in the opportunity um, or the life cycle of a of a prospect. And one of the things that was very quickly apparent was that it's not a linear relationship from marketing to inside sales to the account executives to the cams, the you know the, the people that handle our current customers and make sure that they're happy and adopting the product. 
with marketing, we, we don't have that relationship with the inside sales or, or the field sales team. We are, um, we're kind of an overlay. We participate in every part. We do source, we do source new names. Yes. We do activate, um, accounts that are already in our, in our database through a variety of channels and events and initiatives. But, um, you know, our, our goal and especially, um, leading one of the, the field marketing teams is that we want to be the partners of inside sales and we want to be the voice, the kind of the liaison to the field sales teams. And we want to, we want to just help them hit their goals. So our, our inside sales teams are tasked with, um, setting up opportunities for, for the field reps and making sure that they're taking the opportunities to a certain place, wherever that opportunity comes from is, is, um, is not really a concern of ours. We feel that if we partner and we stay really close and we have joint activities, marketing is going to get a share of source opportunities. Sales will, partners will, um, but but we're going to win as a team. We're going to win together as opposed to being disconnected and pointing fingers back and forth. And so I, you know, I, I don't see it being a linear relationship where we we throw something over the fence, inside sales takes it, and inside sales throws it over the fence to uh, to the field reps who close the deal. Yeah, for for people that you know that don't know you, Pat, and it's it's hard to get to know someone through a podcast like this really quick. And what I want to share with the Demand Gen Radio community is, you know, Pat has worked with some of the masters out there in demand generation. Folks like Doug Seacrest, who I've had on the podcast, Pat and Doug worked together at Five Nine, and I don't know too many people more passionate about sales and marketing alignment than Doug, and he's had a you know, tremendously successful career. And so there's a desire, you know, there's folks like Doug there's folks like you who want to align. I mean, the name of my company, DemandGen, I think people know, like came from this Friday meeting that we used to have at Ellie Mae that was called the Sales and Marketing Meeting. And there was you know, random attendance by sales. It wasn't consistent. It felt like sales sat on one side and marketing sat on the other. And so I didn't feel that we were as aligned as culturally as we could, but the leadership was aligned. So we rebranded the meeting called the DemandGen Meeting. This is, you know, circa 2003 before demand generation was that much widely used as a term. That's, I think, how I got the domain. But I, the, the whole piece back then was that we really need to feel and act like one team. I mean, they are two different teams, marketing and sales. They're two different departments, let's say. But when it's really well honed together with your processes and your technologies and your people, it works and you drive incredible success. And you guys are still succeeding despite all these major changes with GE and, and everything with a private equity firm. So can you share why you guys think that you are so culturally aligned and where that comes from in the organization? And because a lot of people, Pat, as you know, just struggle with it. It's, it's really hard for them. And the team stays so siloed and give up at, at many times of trying to work together. But yet you and folks like Doug and others, you guys make it work. What's, what's the secret? I, I, I really think it has to do with um, just, a top-down approach of of alignment, and so our, you know, my my boss David Milam, who's the, the chief marketing officer here, who was actually the chief marketing officer at, at Five Nine where I worked before, and I got to work for Doug and kind of glean as much as I could from him. He's, he's a total visionary in this space, um, and it was a real pleasure working under him. You know, those those guys knew how to interact very well with sales and and create a shared goal with them and, and have really 
clear and open communication. Um, and I think that goes a long way. When you see the leadership, when you see the leadership is aligned and the, le- the leadership is, is partnering together and they're, they're um, clearly having shared initiatives, that really helps everybody on the front line feel the same way. And so at ServiceMax, um, you know, we, we really try to make a conscious effort to be as aligned as possible, whether it's having frequent um, weekly meetings with the inside sales team, with um, my field marketing team has weekly one-on-ones with every single sales rep in the company. Um, you know, we, we do what it takes to get the job done, either if it's something that falls outside of mark, marketing's traditional purview, but it needs to get done. That's something that we're happy to jump in and do. And I feel like sales and the, and the commercial operations team, the sales ops team, would do the same thing for us. And it, it really shows itself in some of these data projects that we're working on, um, some of the technology that we're investing in that wouldn't be traditionally seen as a marketing technology, but we have a vested interest because we feel like it's going to take our operations to the next level. Um, and then with this, you know, with account selling, what we found is that when we, when we work on orchestrated activities, like a, a direct mailing initiative, for example, you know, it, it is so much better, so much more well-received when we partner on the activity and make a, and make a, a, a really concise effort to involve leadership and sales reps early on as far as um, setting the targets, uh, setting the, you know, what, what the cadence is for the email and the outreach, how we're going to measure it, what is success, um, a post-mortem for every, for every activity that we do. And then we come up with a joint a joint plan to improve it for the next time. And I think those kinds of things just get both teams thinking in the same fashion. And, and we stop looking at things like where are the leads coming from? Um, is marketing supporting? Is everybody is everybody grabbing an oar or is, is one group um, not performing well? So it's been a really positive experience here. And it has it has weathered weathered the storm of some of the changes that have happened. You know, when there's when there's major changes like this, you have attrition, you have um, you know morale is at risk sometimes, and and these types of things really keep people motivated and and excited to to take on the next part of the journey together. Yeah, it's it's nice to watch Milam, you know, David over there, and and Doug, and you, and so many others in this community of demand generation and marketing operations experts, you know what a good environment feels like. And there have been times when I've been on stage and doing either a coaching session or a large format presentation, and I've said very directly, and I, I mean it authentically, which is, if you're not happy at the company that you're at, meaning that you don't see a path to success, the culture feels broken, there's a lack of desire to change. There's, there's, people are rooted in how things were, and God forbid you should suggest anything be different. Get out. Go to another environment, uh, because there are way better environments where when marketing and sales are really working together, one and one is three. It's, it's incredible, and it's powerful, and you see that in the companies that are thriving and succeeding. And you know, for you guys, right, Pat, you came to sales and said, all right, we're aligning on an ABM strategy. We're making some radical changes in how we are investing in programs. We're going to buy some new tech and do some things. And then you said, and guess what? You're not going to get as many AQLs and MQLs, but we're going to align more on some joint efforts and talk about 
the programs together that will work and, and move the needle. How was that received? It was, it, it, it took several conversations. I think, you know, you, one of the things that I, I would say is that we've, we have changed our, our fundamental sales strategy four times since I've been here. And I, I walked through the different changes um, over three, three and a half years. And with every one of those changes, a couple things happened. And, and the big one, the big two are that um, there's a huge operational effort every single time we do it. You have to reassign accounts and people and opportunities, territories. Um, and it takes, it takes time. You have to restart your process as a sales rep. But the second thing that happens is there's a tendency to get an inbound mentality. And the reason is that when you don't know what your new territory is every time we do one of these massive operational shifts, um, when you don't know what your territory is and who the accounts are, you know, the best you can do is, is sit at your desk and wait for uh, an inquiry to come in from the web or you know, from a trade show visitor um, during those periods when we're doing the operational shift. And so we had to get past that inbound mentality that I'm going to get MQLs from marketing. That's what marketing is going to provide to me. And, and I think we made everybody feel more comfortable when we said the, the goal that we have now as a, a joint goal, and we're buying technology to be able to show this very clearly to leadership and to the board, is that we are going to engage accounts and we're going to monitor the progression of accounts from the second we import them into our CRM, where there's no engagement, they've never heard of us, all the way through when there's a little bit of response to our phone calls and our emails and um, webinar invites to when there's an op to when they're a current customer and they're eventually expanding their solution. Um, we're investing in technology to be able to show that visually. Um, we're investing in technology that's going to be able to give better insights. So even if we already have every single persona within an account inside of our database, hence you won't be getting any new leads, we're going to be able to show you what those people are doing um, and send you real-time alerts. And so it's not going to be a quote-unquote MQL, but it's going to be better because you're going to have a lot more context. You're yeah. going to get more real-time and, and it's going to be more, more valuable. It's going to help you hit your goals more easily. It's going to help our company succeed. I think a lot of people get confused when they think about ABM and moving to this model. So you have a qualified account model, right? That's, that's what you've gone together on and said, hey, listen, we're going to produce a certain number of qualified accounts for you guys. They think, people who get confused think, well, so do I still not do lead scoring then anymore? Or do I do lead nurturing? And no, I mean, for those of you listening and wanting to know what the recipe looks like, you're still doing lead scoring. You're still doing lead management. You know, everyone coming into your database is an individual record. They are engaging with you. It's always B2I. But by putting in business to individual, by putting in the right systems and processes, you roll up and you bring together the engagement of those individuals and fold them into account engagement. And, you know, it's not automatic. Uh, it, you need technology and processes to do it. And Pat and his team, they invest a lot in technology. Some of these technologies really produce results for them. Some of them they pilot and get rid of and, and others uh, they reevaluate every year, right? You've got what demand base for doing some of the things that you guys are trying to achieve. You've got Engageo for a lot of the account engagement tracking. You've got both Sendoso and PFL for doing uh, direct on-demand things. By the way, Chris, uh, right after we saw each other earlier, 
we uh, Chris, the founder and CEO of Sendosa, was was over at the DemandGen office, and I was telling him a little bit about you. I said, you know, you have one client who actually uses you and PFL, and he was talking about how PFL had been really competent in the whole print on demand and and had focused there in terms of generating documents, but they hadn't done you know cupcake delivery and being able to send gifts from Amazon and things that you know, very ABM-centric companies are doing, right? You guys are doing high-touch, high-value outreach as part of this account engagement and, and using um, that. You've, you've got other tech as well and, and recently partnered with us in our data MD services to make sure that your data is all deduped, that your accounts are deduped and, and matched. I'm throwing all this out there, Pat, because that's a whole buffet of tech. And I stopped after a few tools Share with folks how you decide on your technology tool sets. You know, is it, it's not random acts, I know, of, of shiny new toys for you guys. It's very prescriptive type of approach that, that you follow and how you vet tools. But if you could share that, I think that would be great because you are investing in tech. And a lot of people right now, they're burnt out on tech. They're, they're reducing their stacks. And not that that's a bad thing because you don't want to waste money if you're not using the tools, but you guys don't set it and forget it. You really pound on this stuff and make sure it, it has an impact and get rid of what does or doesn't. So how do you, how do you go about finding the tools and deciding what to get and knowing if it's right for hitting these objectives? Yeah. So one of the a phrase that I, I commonly use, I kind of steal this from my old CEO at five, nine is that you, um, you pilot, you prove technology out with data and then you scale it across the organization or you, you cut the technology and, and move on. Um, so we, we definitely have that mentality with technology. Um, and you know, when we're, when we are thinking about technology, I try not to lead with technology, by the way, I think, I think you can, you can go a long way and maybe be even more impactful if you work on the actual processes. Um, however, that being said, there are, there are certain things right now that require technology and the, and the technology that's available in the marketplace is. It, it does amazing things and there's a lot of shiny objects, but we've honed it down now to what is absolutely, what are our, what are our business goals? And so some of them were, you know, be very predictable, um, get back to that lead AQL op um, life cycle that was so predictable that we had targets at every stage, get me that for the account. And so the only, the only, and like, like you said, David, it's not lead scoring doesn't go away. But it's we're using it as an input into the overall account engagement model. We couldn't show the account engagement model in our CRM. It just didn't work the way that Salesforce is architected. You know, the whole lead and, lead and contact and other separate objects. It, it it was not working for us. We lost our we lost our forecastability as far as we can get this many qualified accounts today to create this many opportunities tomorrow to create this many wins in the future at this win rate. And, and that was a, that was a very, very clear directive from our CEO that you need to get that back because we need that, um, for, for the board and for the whole company to be able to set objectives. So we went with Engageo for that. Um, but there are other instances like the, the, the data initiatives that you're describing that we're working with, with DemandGen on, um, we have duplicate accounts and this was, this was not an issue. It wasn't even anything I had my eye on, um, prior to last year because we had a, we had a white space model. We sold to businesses of all sizes. We had the lead to AQL to op um, waterfall. And 
duplicate accounts didn't rear its ugly head until until we had only a hundred accounts per rep, and and then we had a sales operations queue that owns thousands of accounts, and and the account that the rep owns is not the account that contacts are being assigned to or that engagement is being assigned to and web anonymous web traffic. And so it looks like their account has no activity, where, whereas just because it's getting attributed to the duplicates. So we need to clean that up very quickly. That's, you know, that's another, another goal of ours. Um, but like you said, in the technology space, and you only mentioned marketing technology, we have the whole, yeah. the whole sales technology space, which is just totally expanding now. Yeah. We are, we're using best of breed for every, for every solution and for every goal that we have. We'll use um, technology. We'll use the very best of technology and do evaluations and make sure that it works for our business instead of standardizing on a single platform to try to make it work across the board. That's inefficient in my opinion. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's really impressive. I, I see in you so much of what I saw in, in Doug and Dave and others that, um, you know, want to really make a difference in their company and have a tremendous impact. And they're, they're fearless. I know Marketo uses that as a, a little brand for their, um, their community of people that they really feel are, are pushing the envelope. And uh, I, I think it's a nice theme because what we have to do today in marketing is take risks, big, big risks and bring about change. Cause none of this has been done before, or if it's been done it hasn't been done through technology, right? ABM has been around for a long time. It's how a lot of sales, you know, companies and sales teams work is through a set of target accounts that they go after. That's, that was, it's been around forever, but we've never been able to operationalize it like we can today. And some of these technologies work and some of them don't work so great. What's also happening is that a lot of tech that was the right tool back when is no longer the right tool. And some of them have gotten too expensive and they're, they're turning away customers or losing customers because they got a little too big for themselves in terms of the value that they're uh, providing. So it's been interesting for me to see how much has changed in the tech space. And like you said, it ain't just MarTech. I've had Nancy Narden on the program. We, we did. Uh, sales tech plus plus martech equals rev tech and talked about what she tracks like scott brinker is to martech she is to sales tech and tracking hundreds of tools of and you guys use outreach right with your with your sales team so you you're providing tech uh before we wrap up you know what would be cool if you could do is give a maybe forty thousand foot view if someone was looking down on your organizational structure in marketing i mean from david on down if you could just put the big boxes there and describe that, because I am getting more and more questions these days. I'm also getting more engagements. Dimension is doing a lot of consulting on organizational structure, roles, and responsibilities for modern marketing organizations. So for everyone tuning in, if, if you could share what your you know, uh, org structure looks like from David on down, I think that'd be insightful for folks to hear because they probably think, what is that? What is that? What does Pat's team look like, and how's the org looks like, and where are the SDR teams and field marketing, and all that? So have at it. Yeah. So um, from from David on, from David on downwards, uh, we have a couple of different departments within marketing. The first one is corporate communications, and our at our company, corporate communications encompasses um, PR, uh, customer marketing, and events. Um, the, the person that runs this organization has been at the company for a long time and she's just a total pro at, at the, the big tentpole events um, that we put on and that we, that we sponsor. And so that's all within corporate communications. 
We have creative services within marketing, and that includes web development, design, um, and various contractors that help out producing some of the great the great assets and, and online experiences that we have. We have partner marketing, um, product marketing, and within product marketing, we have industry marketing. And so, for our for our particular business, we have some very nuanced um, messaging for for industries that we service, and and they're very different in in the use cases, and it requires a level of experience and um, and, and knowledge of those industries. And then we have demand marketing and marketing ops, which is my team. And within that, there's digital marketing, um, which is advertising, the website, organic search, um, some of the demand generation, uh, the pipeline generating sales to, uh, marketing and sales tools. There is operations, which is routing, scoring, performance reporting for the business. And then, and then there's field marketing, which is really our liaison to the field sales team and, and, and even to the inside sales team. And so field marketing has, has been one that the, um, the reliance and the weight that we put on that team is, has vastly increased um, as, as these high-touch events have become so incredibly valuable. Um, and it's something that's more difficult to measure than, than on the online side, but it's, it's a very important thing for us. And um, so that's kind of the corporate functions. We have an EMEA marketing team, which is Europe, Middle East, um, and, and Africa. And, and uh, within that team, we have regional marketers and then one demand generation person. And then we have Asia Pacific and Japan marketing, mm-hmm. uh, which, is, which is only a handful of people, but is a really important region for us as well. And that's the marketing team at a at a forty thousand foot view. No, appreciate appreciate it. Hopefully, people uh, either go back and listen or just plotted it out because it's you're very similar to a lot of organizations, uh, larger size organizations that we have. I'm sure there's some people that are that are jealous that you have the size and resources. You yeah. have others that are like, yeah, that's similar to to our model. And there's such great focus that you're putting in all these areas. And you've got someone like David leading and and bringing synergies across the team and across. Uh, marketing, uh, you know, Pat. I want I want to thank you for for sharing that, and also for being on the program and talking about a lot of the change that you've brought about. I know that people, especially those that are either starting their ABM journey or wondering is that right for their business, uh, would love to connect more. And and as I said earlier, and you can see in the session description, Pat is easy to find on LinkedIn. Pat Oldenburg, and give Pat a, a connect. Great person to have in your network. Uh, you know, Pat, we're planning later this year, we're putting the, the finishing touches, well, starting touches, not finishing yet, on a uh, marketing leadership exchange that we're going to do probably up in Napa Valley if we can secure the place and do all that. And we're going to have about 15 to 20 uh, folks like yourself that just come together and share ideas and talk about what each one is doing while we drink a bunch of wine and, and have good food together. So I look forward to dropping you an invite to that and that'll probably get you and Doug back together again. Because uh, we we want to have just some of the best uh, minds out there, and combine them with people like uh, the folks at Emerson who have or just about to start this journey. They've been around huge company, been around forever, and and aren't doing any real digital marketing. Haven't done the things that you've done. So they want to meet folks like you and understand you know how you've done what you've done, so they can they can mirror that. Last question uh, I have for you: uh, the Data MD service that I mentioned earlier. For those of you that listen regularly to the program or want to go back, there was an episode I did with John Castoros, 
And I hinted and talked about some new data services that DemandGen was coming out with. And it's official that this is our data MD service. So it's a service that we've put together everything, the technology and services to help our clients get their data clean and keep it pristine. And that was a different path for you, Pat, right? You could have gone down the path of going out and buying tools and technologies and having your team uh, tackle those challenges. And yet you, you signed up for the data MD service and have been working with my team to get all the data cleaned up. Why, why that change for you, if you can share with the group why that was appealing to you to go this concierge model rather than the traditional model of buying tech and trying to, to deal with it on your own? There was a, there was a few reasons. Um, you know, the, fir- the first one, the, the real driver of this, like I said, was the fact that we've standardized on named account selling and, it's, and, and, and the, data, the database itself and data that we haven't historically looked at on the marketing offside and even on the sales offside. Um, has become extremely important, and it's, and it's a it's a win or lose type of thing. You either have great data that helps the sales team, or you don't. And it hinders the business. So it was a need to have. We we did evaluate um, technology. We 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 tried to think about how we could do something like an account merge um, at scale in house. And the more that we thought about it, and and the complexities with with things like merging accounts and how you have various contacts and activities and ops and things like that owners. Um, it, it, we didn't have the expertise on my team and I don't have it. Uh, sales operations wasn't terribly comfortable with it either. We recognize our limitations and, and, but we do want to learn these things as well. And, and so in, in, in lieu of going to a vendor and trying to, you know, have the implementation services and have it drag out for months and go through the back and forth, we, we, thought that we would be much better suited working with a trusted partner like DemandGen that's done it for thousands of clients and, and knows this stuff like the back of your hand. And we can learn from you and get that skill set, um, but also benefit from your, from your expertise um, and your selections as far as partners that you work with for technology. So we're really excited. I, I know there's, you know, I hear it from sales reps all the time about, about making our data more cleanly. And so, it's a it's an exciting project for us, and it's a visible one. I know it's I know it's going to go really great. Uh, I appreciate you taking a leap, and I say that because you know, as for everyone, like we just invented this service. I mean, you know, we're we're a services company, and we looked at the problem for years, saying, "God, everyone struggles with data, and yet they don't deal with it." And it was a it was a big risk for us. We spent you know over a year planning out what would the right tools would be and, and how we would deliver it to clients and started piloting it in different ways. And then we officially said, okay, we want to help companies get their data clean and keep it clean and, and put it all together. So I do appreciate it. And, and the feedback's been tremendous. It was more than, you know, you, you, you tend to believe your own BS, right? When you're saying, okay, I think people will want to come to us and get everything they need, not have to buy technology and lean on us. But then we thought and, you know, tried to punch holes in it, which is any good idea. You want to talk about why it's going to be successful and why it's not. And I'm really surprised by the response so far because people said, yeah, I mean, if I don't have to deal with this and can rely on you guys to keep our data pristine, um, it's, it's great. So thank you for being our very first customer with the new service. And we'll keep everybody posted. Um, those of you that are struggling with data, of course, reach out to me. But more importantly, reach out to Pat and get connected with him on LinkedIn. And if you have questions, Following the podcast, I'm sure it'd be great to uh, connect together. He's been out certainly on the tur- talking circuit the past year and uh, sharing his insights on panels and, and doing talks. And by the way, congratulations on your promotion to vice 
president, which was just a couple months ago, Pat. So again, testament that you are crushing it over there at ServiceMax and really proud of all the work uh, you're doing. And, and thanks for our get together because I learned a lot prior to the podcast and then, and then here sharing more with uh, my community. I really appreciate it. Thank you, David. And uh, thanks everybody for listening. It was a, it was a fun time participating in this. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, some of the ones in the future. I'm going to go back and listen to even more. I get a lot of value out of these. Cool. It's a little bit of a lightning round, a lot of information, everyone, but you know, isn't it nice? No slides. You don't have to have any slides. Yeah. We just, we just <laughs> get, we just get to chat about all the great things that you're doing and, and the things that you've learned that don't work, which is really important as well. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Dimension Radio. Thank you, Pat. Thanks everybody for always tuning in. I hope you guys are having a great summer. We'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.